0: One, two, three, two, two. Three. okay so um, yeah, you you were saying that you really like both
1: of these songs, I believe right i love I love both of these songs just, I love both of these songs. one of my notes about both of these songs is that how could you not like either one of these songs
0: yeah this is it's really hard it's like it's the, hard. for for those of you who didn't read like the the thumbnail or whatever this is. Um, we're doing Money Trees by Kendrick Lamar and um, You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. Um, and yeah, they, they are both great songs. And I have to admit that I was not familiar with the Money Trees song before we planned this out. You said, you know, you need to go. First of all, you said you need to go listen to that whole record. But um, the definitely that song is one of the ones that stood out. It's just like, where has not where has this been all my life, but I mean, this was... I guess that came out when my oldest daughter was little and it just kind of got lost in the ether or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. This is good stuff.
1: So I'll tell you that happened to me when my daughter was born, like most hip hop that came out Mm -hmm. like post February 07, like summer of 08, I pretty much missed because of my kid. So I understand that. Let me ask you a quick sidebar question. Sure. What other songs stood out? Did you listen to good kid, mad city all the way through?
0: I have not had the chance to listen to like every single song all the way through. Um, I mean, I obviously knew the swimming pool song and I knew um, the bitch don't kill my vibe song. Like I, those, those I had heard before. Okay. Um, and there, it strikes me that the, there are reasons that those were singles. Like those were, um, mm-hmm. they have that, that vibe to them. Um, so I really like both of those. Um, the the real song is really really good too. Yes, that's my favorite song on there. Um, we'll I, we'll probably do we don't want to get into that too much now. We'll probably do a whole another episode using that one and um and
1: that's of, special special.
0: That's, that's that's a good song. Um, but I will again most of these songs, other than like the famous ones they played on the radio that I've just named, um i've not listened to more than once or pieces of once um like i said i've not been in the i mean this is for those of you who don't know i'm a teacher and so this is like the end of the school year and i'm kind of so i have both end of school year stuff i'm um, going on now and um small child stuff that's going on now i have a three-year-old and a one-year-old so there's not a ton of time to just like sit down and listen to good kid, mad city as, as, as good as it is. So, but that's, that's on the, it, it seems, it feels like a summertime record. Like it feels like that, that, that that's the vibe that I get from it anyway.
1: It, um, it feels like very, um, it's almost like it's still West coast cause it's mm-hmm. really funky yeah. and really groovy. And really catchy, but there's something dark and dense about it.
0: Oh, yeah. It, it is darker with, than a lot of them are, or the yeah. ones I'm familiar with anyway.
1: Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, like Dr. Dre or DJ Quick or like E40 or Too Short mm-hmm. or Ice Cube's big hit or Snoop, definitely not Snoop's big hit records. This is like a different type of vibe that he's on, but it's still that same West Coast groove and that kind yeah. of fall to it. And so it's it's really um, <clears throat> you know, I mean obviously as i think people are realizing kendrick is really good at pushing the boundaries of things yeah. and even this money trees is kind of like even is uh pushing the boundaries of like because this was an anthem mm-hmm. and it's a west coast anthem and this is where everybody's saying your bitch comes from you know what i mean it was very okay possible. yeah like this is where this is where it, it kind of caught fire so this was the this was the dope song on the album that everybody gravitated to that wasn't the single. You yeah. know,
0: it, it, it feels like you, you stick your arm out the window and you're doing this kind of deal, like that's, that's that kind of smooth. Um, but but you're right, he is both on this song and on many of the other songs is talking about some darker stuff. This is not, um, yeah. just all, it's not all party songs. <laughs> this, in yeah. contrast to the last two we talked about, um, but. No, no, this is, this is, I wouldn't call it dark, dark, but like, it, it is like on the, yeah. it's, it's not it. a nothing but a G thing. I mean, it's not that kind of.
1: Right. This is,
2: know. um,
1: this is like a closer to, this is what I mean. This song is closer to like a bird in hand by ice cube or something like that. And if you're not familiar with a bird in hand, like just go listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of ice cubes, better records. This isn't like a good day by ice
2: cube. Yeah. I obviously know that one, but ice cube. Ice
1: cube. yeah, yeah, it, it, it's not that. <laughs> But it's kind of at the same level,
2: yeah, okay,
1: in a lot of ways, yeah and and it's 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 a modern day, which you would say hip hop classic
0: okay it, it, like again this is the first time i would heard it, I mean, I've listened to it you know a dozen times over the past couple of days, but um it's yeah it it just it sticks with you like like yeah. and, and obviously you're going to be able to tell me more about it, but um. It's, it's one of those things that um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like the, one of the things that I've noticed um, on a lot of the songs that, that crossed over into like the wider culture and this one either, if, if it did, I wasn't familiar with it. I mean, it's, um, is, is that they have melodic hooks to it. Um, and that's, and I've I've been walking around. I, this is one of the notes that I wrote. Like I've been walking around, seeing Halle Berry, Hallelujah, like for the last twenty four hours now. Like it's just it just <laughs> sticks, and it's just one of those <clears throat> one of those things. So, and I'm not sure exactly what is what what it means or what he's talking about, but it but it does <laughs> but it does stick. Well,
1: no, well let's unpack some of what it means. Yeah, please actually, do. Well, I actually wanted to go to the hook first because <clears throat> a lot of the times when I talk about Kendrick, I talk about how. Sometimes what he does Mm -hmm. is so visceral and so poignant that it doesn't connect listener-wise. This is the antithesis of that. Oh yeah, this connects. So let's go to the hook. It go Mm -hmm. "Halle Berry" or "Hallelujah." Now, one thing that I'm starting to notice from him over the course of time, and this was very on early on for him, obviously, Mm -hmm. because it's on the second album, but lust is a big theme for him.
2: Yeah.
1: So Halle Berry is the lust. Yeah. Hallelujah is the savior, and then right after that, what's the next bar? Pick your poison. poison yeah, tell me what you do. And then it gets personal, and then it gets mm-hmm. into black culture. Everybody gonna respect the shooter, but the one in, in
2: front, front of gun.
1: gun lives forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's timeless. Yeah, that's timeless thought right there. That's brilliant, excellent writing. See, he gets you with the holly berry, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. but then he hits you with that point and you're shot. like oh right and then he breaks down himself and i've been hustling all day this away that away through canals and alleyways just to say money trees is the perfect place for shade and that's just how i feel mm-hmm. how many people feel that way how many people feel that way after a hard day at work how do you yeah. feel when you feel uh you know <clears throat> everything that you're going through right now with uh being slightly you know under the weather having yeah. a one-year-old and a three-year-old it's the end of the year with these high school students it's, it's tough right? Like it's, yeah. you want to get to the money trees in the shade yeah
0: you're mm-hmm. ready to be done with it for a little bit
1: yeah
2: yeah and or just so, or
0: at least have it have like the the baby's asleep now um and so it's you get those pockets in the day where you're like
2: mm-hmm.
0: and kind of breathe out a little bit um because in the grand scheme of things, my children are delightful, and they're they're wonderful, and they're um, not. I don't want to use the word bad kids, but you know, people you know, they're not wild particularly at all. They're but three.
1: they're one and they're three; it's normal.
0: But but yeah, exactly. She is um, a wrecking ball, like the little one is, and it just as and like you said, it's, it's developmentally appropriate. That's what you should be doing, but it's a lot. So, mm-hmm.
1: um, all things can be true.
2: Mm-hmm
0: yeah mm-hmm. so but yes i i get i feel the i feel the money tree <laughs> like the that uh, you just want the i mean the southern version of that's the the front porch in the in the shade tree like that's the you know, rocking yeah. chairs and stuff like
2: rocking that, so that, front that. Porch something
1: like that yeah i mean he's pretty much just talking i mean everybody's looking for their escape out of their way like he's talking about the mm-hmm. rat race too in a sense mm-hmm. it's like he's talking about the rat race from the hood perspective but it's still the rat race when he's talking about going through canals and alleyways this away Mm -hmm. that way that's why i was bringing up your situation where you can just get pulled so many ways by life yeah it's just like where's the shade it's hot
2: (laughs) yeah it is
0: yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, so that's like i said i have not listened to it enough to like really really dig into it so i'm I'm glad we're doing this but it's one of those things like you said it connects like like even if i it's one of those things and and we'll come back around to, to the Rolling Stone song in just a second, too, but, like, they're both songs that are not lyrically direct, particularly, um, but they do still, like, hit you, and you don't really... I don't want to say you don't really know why, but they... This song, the Money Tree song, connected with me before I, like, dug into the lyrics to understand what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... So... so and that's that's a hard thing to do, just because because of the vibe of it um, connected before the the lyrics did.
1: <clears throat> well, you know, he does um, he does a brilliant job of of expressing the inner city angst and despair mm-hmm. without you really, really catching it because he's riding the yeah. beat so well and and in and, in and, and, and the word usage. Is, is so key here because mm-hmm. nothing is over about no, any words, but the way that he's formulating them to ride to this beat is masterful so that he can express himself. Like he's expressing things about Black life in Compton or just in poverty. Mm-hmm. And, and I pulled the lyrics up because it's like I know the lyrics, but it's important when you isolate them.
0: Yes, it I is.
1: Hear what he's saying. Hot sauce all in our top rhyming, you yep. bitch. You know, like yeah. we're putting hot sauce in our ramen noodles. Listen to what he says. Park the car and then we start rhyming, you bitch. Like mm-hmm. if you listen to the album in, in, in sequence, mm-hmm. he's actually explaining in this verse what's happened before on the album. The first song is uh, Shireen, is Master Splinter's Daughter. Mm-hmm. He's talking about, I fuck Shireen, then went to tell my bros. Well, that okay. happened on the record already. When he's talking about the car, park the car and we start rhyming, that's backseat freestyle okay he's talking about the album on the album <laughs> he's That's like very explaining. meta yeah well while i was telling you about it being the west coast illmatic is because he's explaining like a day in the life of compton and illmatic is kind of like a day in the life in queensbridge and it's done poetically so well that you miss a lot of the despair initially because of the melody and the groove mm. and the hooks or so because you're and doing like
0: that, this right there and like oh he's talking about some wait no yeah. no like, this is Right. Like he, sl- he slips a line about Uncle Tony getting shot in the head, like in, in yeah. the middle of all of like it's just like yeah. oh, w-
1: w- listen he goes gang signs out the window, you bitch, hoping all of them offend you, you bitch, like <laughs> you know, yeah. He he yeah. slides in, but it's so catchy, so groovy. You're like oh, did he just did he just say wait it? yeah? You're like did yeah, I, did I catch that right yeah. But this is about the despair. Listen to what he's saying. The only thing we had to free our mind. He's talking about the rhyming. He's like, that's where mm-hmm. the rhyming came from. It, this song is about escapism.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I got, too. Like, song. you're trying to get away from.
1: Yes. It's very much about escapism. And then listen to what he says. He goes right back to the moment and gets visual with you again. He said, then freeze that verse when we see dollar signs.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: listen to what he says after that. You're looking like an easy come up, you bitch. That means they're about to rob somebody. They see somebody yeah, say,
0: There's lots of robbing stuff in there, right? Like it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So they're talking about, and listen to what they're saying, a silver spoon, I know you come from you, bitch. And so <laughs> they're saying, so now the, now the angst is being expressed about the poverty disparity, okay? And then he yeah. goes, that's a lifestyle that we never knew. And now you feel the personal despair about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know nothing about that. And 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 it lets you know how deep despair goes on the last line. Go at a reverend, go at a reverend, mm-hmm.
0: revenue. It's like, <sighs> ooh.
1: And, and and so let's go to one of the things that he is masterful at and one of the best ever at. Mm-hmm. That's ending verses. Okay, he's one of the best verse enders ever. That's part of what is so striking about him as an MC. I've never considered him lyrically to be black thought.
0: No, but that's that's, a, that's a high bar, dude.
1: <laughs> no, no, it is an extremely high bar, but. He's just as good, if not better, than almost all of them mm-hmm. at hitting you with the ending that's just like, well, okay, that's all over his last album. His last album is actually like a master class in like ending a song verse-wise. Okay. It's actually one of the better points of his last album. I'm talking about Mr. Morale. Mr. Morale, Mr. Morale yeah. so, <clears throat> so you're getting a whole lot about Compton, about Kendrick, about the album, about inner city, about poverty, about right. the economic despair, about how the economic despair looks from the poverty level, from somebody who's living through the poverty. Mm-hmm. So much stuff. It's 16 bars.
0: Yes. <laughs> one verse.
1: One verse. Yeah. So the song is deep like that. And I know uh, we could go in further and talk about this song all day. But one thing that I wanted to ask you, I mean, mm-hmm. because I'm familiar with the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. What made you want to juxtapose this to Money Trees? I found that to be fascinating. It's all
0: full disclosure, I've I've been looking for one to pair with it, that song anyway, like okay. just because I love that song a lot. Um, but you can't always get what you want, is the head the title of that song is the theme of money trees too like you can't like you're, you're you're trying to get something i mean that song we'll get into it more later but like is more um about misconnections like at a party kind of more or less i mean that's how the song is framed anyway um where you're like you you're there and you're like seeing people that are all want to be connected with other people but are just like missing it because they're drunk or they're whatever. They're like, not like all there. Um, But the the frame of the song is not as important as the, the chorus, which is what's quotable. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you get what you need. Right. That's, and that feels to me, thematically very similar to what Kendrick's getting at. Like he is, um, living or narrating a story of living in poverty um and economic struggles from what you just said and Mm -hmm. um is talking about robbing reverends or what like robbing people's houses while they're at work um Mm -hmm. which is um the what you need part i guess sort of Mm -hmm. like it is that's that's how that's how he's solving the problem or the i don't know if the, that is like an autobiographical detail of him or it's just part of like the persona like it's a storytelling you no know, thing but um i think it's th- that's why i connected those two in my mm-hmm. head
2: anyway
1: no i actually felt thematically these things are expressing similar endpoint notions if that makes sense it's okay. like the expression of it in the song may not be as clear but the overall theme And there are like connecting points. And I think you did a good job of connecting those. So so I understood it. It's just like, first, first time, I was like, why did he pick such? And then I thought about it. I was like, well, then even melody wise, both of these melodies are really infectious. And Mm -hmm. both of these songs are really masterfully put together from beginning to end. And I think there's like um, a deeper message Mm -hmm. about acceptance to both of these songs
0: about acceptance of what, what your life is. And, um, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean, it's like the end of the James Baldwin essay, the notes of a native son, which I teach all the time, um, where he yeah. says, like, you can't, um, I, I hear, I'm, I'm going to have to pull it up because I want to quote him correctly. Um, he says something like you have to, um, the man to survive in this world um, has to like, hold two ideas in his head, which seem to be in opposition, which one of them is that the world is as it is and that there are going to be they're going to be people against you i'm paraphrasing it badly because james baldwin is an incredible writer and i don't want to do not justice to his words but no, you I, have to kind of accept things as they are and the people as they are but you also have to try with all of your strength to change them like you have to do both of those things and that's kind of the idea that i'm getting i guess
1: no, 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 no. I know exactly uh, what reference you're speaking to. I think James Baldwin is uh is extending upon the thought of uh, W.E.D. W.E.B. Du Bois' thought about the veil yep. of the black man. This is more of the practitioner of it, and yeah. uh, and more of a updated thought. Not even saying a better one, but that's kind of where that 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 pattern comes from. But but you're <laughs> right. Like, this is all over both of those songs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I want you to talk a little bit about the flow in this song. Cause I don't know what it's called or how it works, but um, like I was, I've been listening to, and, and maybe it's an, a West coast thing, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of the East coast stuff that I've heard um, has like pretty hard end stops at the lines. Like there's, it rhymes the end of the line and it stops. And then he does like, even, even like big, even like biggie was, where's rhyming in the middle of the lines and the ends, there's still uh, like a, concrete ends of the lines and this kind of loops right this it's like the beginning of the line is connected to the end is connected to the beginning it kind of goes in a circle and there's not really i think you use the phrase riding the beat i believe is what what you said but like like it he's like isn't there's not the same kind of pauses at
1: the end it kind of goes the pauses the pauses the pauses are more rhythmic they're 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 more in line with uh maybe Okay, they're more in line with the composition of maybe actual music than maybe mm-hmm. the composition of a 16-bar format. Okay. So thereby, the words are sh- shorter and more mm-hmm. choppy, but flow together better because of how the endings go together and are pieced back together to start it again. Mm-hmm. I think the person who is most probably notable, notable for that on the West Coast is Snoop probably, the ability mm-hmm. to do that. But it is a trait <laughs> artists like <clears throat> one of the things that i love about money trees is he he's like because they're from compton
2: mm-hmm. which is
1: of course south Famous. southern california right. right but he goes bump that new e40 after school well that's bay area i
0: was about to say e is bay right yeah
1: yeah that's no cap those are two different worlds but i'll tell people mm-hmm. all the time southern california northern california could be like like north carolina south carolina two totally different states like there, yep. there's more of a difference between northern, Cal- northern california in Southern California, there is between North Carolina and South Carolina by far. For sure,
0: yeah. No, my, my wife is from or lived okay. most recently in San Francisco or north of San Francisco. So, yeah, and, and I've not been to L.A., but I I may mean, have friends that live there or whatever. But it's um oh well, yeah, so it's a whole different whole different yeah. world. I remember the first time I went to the beach, like the Pacific Ocean beach. We went Monterey essentially, which is in Northern California, probably three hours south of San Francisco ish. Um and I mean it's it's the rocky and cold and whatever, and it's beautiful. I mean, and we I went in like the end of July, and it was like you know sixty degrees and it's beautiful, but it's you're wearing a hoodie out on the beach, which is not l a at all. It's
1: not. So and he he speaks about and he, he goes to the poverty back to reality. be poor, you bitch. Another casualty at war, you bitch. That's the despair. And then mm-hmm. he brings up the line that you're talking about: two bullets in my uncle Tony' head, and now he's getting reflective because mm-hmm. he's gone. He say, "One day I'll be on tour, you bitch." Like now he's yep. remembering what he said because he's gone. That's how the despair. And listen to what he's doing: the whole, you bitch. Mm-hmm is what's taking all of the pain and taking all of the edge off because people are yes. so locked in on that. And that's the groovy and the wavy part about where he's hitting you with the simple stupid yep. and you're yeah. getting lost in that to the point that you're wrapping the stuff. You're like, hold on. His uncle's dead. Like, hold on. Yeah. Like, wait. Yeah, He, he like, just, just kind of slides level, that in like, there. <laughs> right. They're throwing up gang signs out the window. Like, hold up. Like, yeah, but it doesn't sound like that or feel like that. Does it? No. But he, he also that.
0: uses the Yabish part to connect the lines together. Like that's, yeah. that's what no, makes that's, it loop like that echo.
1: Yeah. That, that, that's kind of what makes it funky too. And that yeah. is what enabled the flow to not feel choppy because mm-hmm. if you actually just listen to it and isolate it outside of the Yabish and how he stretches it out, it's mm-hmm. kind of choppy, you know, yeah. even though you go holly berry chop, a hallelujah chop,
0: mm-hmm.
1: pick your poison. Tell me what you're doing. Chop. Yep. So it's choppy, but when he does the yabish, it starts doing the loop. It goes, yeah. You, the you,
0: like, I, f- I found myself bobbing my head like that. Just like, mm-hmm. that's just, you sh- have to. Like, it's one of those, like, like, we talked about the Rosa Parks and the Queen song last time. Like, you, you dance in your chair. You're like, that's just, that's what they, yeah. and that's what great songs do. Like, you, you find yourself kind of grooving in your seat or stand or wherever you are, just reflexively, almost like you can't, you're not even thinking about it. Like oh, I'm going to dance to the song. It doesn't happen like that. You just, it just kind of you just kind of go. Like that's just how it is.
1: Oh, it happens. And you know it when you hear it, this is yeah. one of those songs immediately. And when you hear it for the first time it comes on, you're like, Oh no, I like this record. That's what I mean about yeah. both records. It's like, how can you hear both of these records come on and be like, I don't like that nah <laughs> yeah
0: nah. yeah there's there's a reason um you can't always get what you want is like if, if you have never put on a rock and roll album in your whole life and you're listening because i know you have but like if somebody listening to this hasn't and you still know this song like this song has been in like hundreds of tv shows and movies and whatever they play it in all kinds of like super dramatic sentimental moments like it's just
1: part of popular culture yeah the, song, yeah. the stone song is part of popular culture i want to uh do uh show one more thing about uh, yeah definitely trees and then we can kind of slide over to the stones of course <clears throat> he's speaking about how we spend the black dollar on one bar in mm-hmm. Eden, that i think is very important that people miss like that's why i said we could spend like all day unpacking this song he says pull off at churches with pirelli's skirting." Okay, mm-hmm. so they're at church's chicken, which is like literally the worst, cheapest chicken that you can okay. buy. You'll only find it usually in impoverished areas. But then he goes, pull off at church's chicken. So we're going to a poor mm-hmm. place to eat, but our car has Pirelli tires. Those are
0: serious. On. Like I, I know what those are. Like those. Yeah,
1: those are serious tires. Okay, so he's speaking to how we foolishly spend our black dollars too mm. with one bar. He's speaking. Look, we're really this poor. But we're pulling off in Pirelli's skirt. And look what we, what we spent our money on when we got yeah. some money. Yeah. So he's strong. And this is one of his better moments, like and, ever.
0: And, and implying that, is, is he implying that they should be spending it on better food? Like, is, is that part of the, the implication or am I, is that not?
1: I think that's part of the reality of the song, too, because there really is like a church's chicken, like, or used to be at least, like, mm-hmm. around where he's from and stuff so like there's a lot of reality on Good Kid Mad City especially if you've lived out there the streets and the stuff that he's bringing up and like mm-hmm. all that Yeah, it's it's all it's all very very real and not uncommon for you to see something like that that's what I'm saying he's not just speaking to his personal situation he's speaking environmentally to what he's seeing going on mm-hmm.
0: he's also using I mean the metaphor of a money tree is I mean he's I mean the cliche that goes with that though is um money doesn't grow on trees like that's the yeah that's 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 the cliche that goes with it and i mean he's also kind of using these people's houses as money trees like that's that's the part of the metaphor too but um but money doesn't grow on trees is the the thing like so which kind of gives you both sides of the story right i mean that you can't always get what you want but and try sometimes you might get what you need right one, one of the ways that I think the song is structured similarly to Money Trees is that it is just a simple two-chord vamp, is it's, it's the whole song, basically, and it's, so it kind of has the effect of looping two. I mean, it's just, uh, it's one to four. it's just that over and over again right it's like i saw her the the reception right and it's just that and then you can't always get what you want it's just the same two chords um the only difference is like usually in a blues kind of format you have the one, four, five, one, All right? But he, he resolves it differently when the always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. So I'm sorry for my voice. It's I'm, I've been sick for two weeks, but it's, it's a, I wanted to, that's a probably a good place to start because it, it loops like that um it's just two chords over and over and over that connect and pro- propel the song forward even though it's doing it kind of slowly it's a simple two-chord vamp that is that that does the same thing i think money trees does where it just kind of connects the ends of the lines and just moves forward. even if it's a slow vibe it's still it moves it forward in the same kind of kind of smooth way
1: No, it's both of these songs are very funky and Mm -hmm. both of them. Um, I want to talk about the beginning of this song. You know what my note was? Just No, tell me. When I heard it again, because it's been a while since I've actually listened to the record from the beginning and Mm -hmm. not call it on some sort of commercial ad or or something. It's everywhere. From onset, like from onset, I was like, remember when, uh, when Will Ferrell's like losing his mind in old school and he's like, it's glorious. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's how I felt when the record came on. I'm like, this, the come on is like epic. And you're almost like this, is a Rolling Stones record.
0: For those of you who don't know, it starts with the, the, I looked it up. Actually. It's the London Bach choir. It's a a full choir singing the, what, what is the first verse and the chorus um, before Mick starts singing.
1: OK, so first of all, it's like they bought everybody in town out to do this record. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beautiful things about this record for me is, is that, well, it's really hard to implement all these sounds,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: instrumentations, live instrumentations. Oh, yeah. That is clear to hear these live instrumentations and voices. And I was put thinking I got in quotations, choruses, choirs, which. Yep. Sure, but and it's all put together brilliantly
0: and it makes sense yeah in it does opinion. and that's hard to do i mean just those hard, of you don't know who've never heard this this is like seven and a half minutes it's one of the longest um rock and roll kind of songs and like i said it's based on this just like a two it only has three chords in it and one of the chords only gets played like a couple times so it's really just two basically yeah and bro, bro, bro. He, they take it and make it with a choir and they have background singers and they got an organist and they have all well, you got all kinds of stuff that are not members of the original rolling stones
1: Okay, so is that is the is that instrumentation that you're hearing at the end for about thirty seconds, is that the organ? Because I couldn't put probably. my hand I, I, I'm music. not placing it was moving key wise, like at the speed that a piano or a keyboard probably would, was then. Was yeah. The, that was the organ. I was wondering what that was because it happened so fast and so brief. I was like, that's brilliant. I'm like, what is that? They they, they bought out everything for this song. Mm-hmm. Um, are those maracas that they're using?
0: Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, Mick Mick will do Mick Jagger, the lead singer for the Rolling Stones. I know you. I'm explaining this for the people. I know you know this, but um, we'll also play sometimes on stage. We we'll play like a tambourine or maracas, like while he's singing too. Like he's, um, that's that's a pretty common, um, especially British lead singer of this kind of generation, um, do do that pretty regularly. Um, Mick Jagger is one of the first, um one of the front men one of the first front men for these kind of bands that is not playing an instrument at the same time he's just there singing um he he, i mean he can play instruments and he does the percussive stuff or whatever but but they had two guitarists already and whatever and he he never plays on stage really
1: okay i didn't know that he could play fascinating all right um i put for our hip-hop listeners Mm -hmm. i put if you don't know who Mick Jagger is, I have a hip hop line that will contextualize it for you. Good. Perfect. From Jay-Z. Mick Jagger invented swag, popping bottles, putting supermodels in the cab. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that was Mick. hmm That was Mick, yeah. That's your hip hop contextualization for who he is. But stylistically, vocally, he's very throaty and captivating. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I I immediately heard kind of going back to the song Otis that I just quoted from Kanye and Jay, I can tell he's an Otis Redden and Bobby Womack fan. Is that yeah, yeah. yeah
0: they, they were big time into the the soul singers of the sixties? Like no, I, that's I, they, uh, they play a lot of songs that are they even covered some. Like they played they played a lot they took a lot of that style mm-hmm. from
1: he's got the chops to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, and the, he doesn't have the like Mick Jagger is the opposite end of the vocal spectrum from from Freddie Mercury, who we just talked about. Like he yeah. is not, he has he is good at what he does. He um, he is dancing on the stage. He is um, he is an entertainer for sure. But um, I mean, I I know it's you, you can't if you just say he's not Freddie Mercury as a singer. Well, duh, nobody is Freddie Mercury. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's he's not it. that kind of pyrotechnic singer. But um, you can't get what you want but you sometimes you get what you need right that's like he, he and he does and he gets exa- most of their songs are pretty simple
1: so because well, well that's what i mean about the line about how he invented swag mm-hmm. he has um the type of confidence on record that is infectious that you can even hear on record and that's right. hard to pull off like that that's that's all-time high level charisma and confidence yeah. when it comes off on record like we right. know it comes off on stage and who he Clearly. is on stage and who he is behind the scenes like that's known but when you come off on record that way like he's he sings with conviction and it actually made me think of another black soul singer from mm-hmm. the 60s. and i think this is the most accurate comparison david ruffin from the temptations mm-hmm.
0: okay i can get with that yeah loves yeah. him i mean that voice though
1: yeah man but 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 David's got that. Deep, I mean, David Ruffin. I mean, is a better singer than Mick Jagger. But Mick yeah. has some of that and uh, some of that vocal wise throatiness in him. Mm-hmm. And David has a lot of Mick swag. You feel mm-hmm. me? That's why I start the comparison. Because like, no, David was kind of tall and dashing. Kind of known behind the scenes, like, oh, you know, this guy's – You no,
2: know, he,
0: he and, and Mick and Mick wasn't even that way behind the scenes. These are like we talk about the Beatles and the Stones being like the two prototypical rock bands. Like the, the there are others that come after them, but most rock and roll music, not every single bit, but most rock music that comes after the 1960s um, is at least in part modeled on one of these two bands, the Beatles or the Stones. And the Stones are the bad boys. Um, the Beatles are kind of like the hippie, their later years, anyway, kind of the hippie, um, um, Hari Krishna, oh, like wow. that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, st- Stones are like, I mean, you you saw Mick at Studio Fifty Four with Freddie Mercury and all the and Bowie and all those guys. Um, okay. th- th- their leather jackets, their their cigarettes, their the um, I mean this the song comes off an album called Let It Bleed, like it's um, and th- th- yeah, th- their song content is. I mean, there's sex and there's drugs. I mean, all of those like classic rock and roll stereotypes, um, mm-hmm. are they, Rolling. Are. they don't yeah. originally come from the Rolling Stones, but
1: they're the prototype.
0: Mm-hmm. They're the one that everybody's copying.
1: Yeah. They're the prototype. So I thought, and, and this was just one of the questions that I had. And I think you actually answered it. It's like, do, did all the big like rock stars hang out together the way like the big rappers do, you know, like, cause it's like when, um, like, Nas has a song on King's Disease 2 last year where he talks about Death Row East, where he talks about having a run in Tupac with Tupac. and mm-hmm. he hang out with Biggie before they were both signed? It's like, did the rock stars hang out with each other, but you just spoke to David Bowie and Freddie Mercury and Mick all in Studio 54? So that kind of answers my question. But my next question would be, were anybody from the Beatles and the Stones, like, cool? Was there, like, any competitive, like... They're not, like... They're, they're like... They're, I mean, they're stylistic. They moved, they moved because, in the same circles?
0: like. Yeah. Like they, they
1: know each other, right? Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. They're both British things. And the stones, I don't remember where they're from. The Beatles are famously from Liverpool. Um, But the, I don't know the the Rolling Stones don't have a, I mean, obviously they were all born somewhere, but like, they don't have like, I mean, Lennon and McCartney both were born in Liverpool, went to middle school together, like had known each other since they were little kids, that kind of story that goes with them. There's not the same kind of story, or at least not that I'm aware of with the Rolling Stones. Maybe somebody if it exists can tell me in the comments, but um it's not the same kind of thing, but okay the stones had uh have still actually they still play live um and they're in their seventies now, the ones the members that are still living um and Keith Richards should not still be living like he he was one of the most famous like drug addict like drink you under the table drug you under the table kind of like like there's no way his body should have survived that like their their original not their other guitars brian jones he's a multi-instrumentalist was also a drug addict in the 60s and he died like in the mid 60s late 60s um like right before this album came out actually um Um, mm -hmm. the but keith richards was every bit as much of a an addict and he has survived and still plays now he's I don't know how old he is 70 something um we have no idea no um but but anyway the the point i was making is that the stones had the, Be- the beatles were 1960 i mean in their famous period like 1962ish to 1970 like that's i mean they still play they played together before that but like that's when they were famous and the rolling stones came out about the same time and early sixties, but they still play now and they're still releasing music now. Um, so they're, I mean, like most people know, start me up the song, start me up. Um, that's like early eighties. Um, so like 25 years after their, or 20 years really after their like first come up, um, is he still playing? They're still playing songs like that. Um, but at the same time they're not they're a band right the and they don't or have not worked without each other in the same way that the beatles were able to like mick jagger has solo album stuff but um and others have like side projects or whatever too but they're not i don't say they're not good because i'm not really familiar with them but they did not penetrate into the popular culture really. Whereas I know we, we have talked behind the scenes about the problematic nature of the rock and roll hall of fame. So leave that aside for a second, but um, all four of the members of the Beatles are also in the rock and roll hall of fame as individuals too. Individuals. Yeah. So they all had productive, impressive careers post- um, being a member of that group too, in a way that the, the stones didn't. I don't know if they didn't try to or just didn't, but
1: I think that goes down to the songwriting, actually, if we yeah. just being about it. But here was something that I did realize. Like timeless themes make for timeless music. Mm-hmm. It's another it, This is a prime example of a time yeah. theme providing timeless music. <clears throat> and it's also really when you really listen to what's going on. It's just a great jam session. Yeah. It's like it's got a little bit of everything that you would want in a jam session. Like the chants at the end, is that mm-hmm. that's coming from that's not the choir. The choir is at the beginning. The chance at the end is <laughs> the end too. I'm like, that's not the stones. That might be. Is that another? Is that some more background singers? Yeah, singers? they're
0: different background singers, yeah. Yeah. And they sing harmony in the choruses near the end too. Like the, yeah,
1: that, that that part, and, I, and and it really made me say this at the end. They're the stadium flow kings. Mm-hmm. Their stuff's made for the stadium. Oh, yeah, it is. Going in the stadium, it's live, man. Yeah. yeah, especially if you can, like, and, and they can, because they, they got it like that, man, bringing out the band, the backup, mm-hmm. choir, yeah. chorus, organist, maracas, mix, beating the tambourine. Like, yeah.
0: Like, you can start. Usually, they'll play, as I remember, I've never seen them live. I've watched videos and stuff. Sometimes they'll play, like, the like an audio clip over the speakers of the choir playing at the beginning of the song, but this mm-hmm. song it has a crescendo, right? Like it, it gets like you could start, and they do start basically with just um, Keith playing the guitar and Mick singing, like the first verse after mm-hmm. the chor- choir part, like is just that. And it's almost like every verse and every chorus they add more to it, and mm-hmm. it becomes this huge thing by the end um
1: yeah. it's got momentum mm-hmm.
0: all which, is h- which is hard to do over seven and a half minutes like it's and to keep it up
1: it is that's why i said it's a jam session of the highest order because i can't think of a seven and a half minute like rock song that carries you to the end as easily as this one does it's like an easy seven and a half minute listen it's not like it's not like oh my god like this song should have been over a couple minutes ago maybe or it's no i don't know it carries all the way to the end it's very very accomplished Mm
0: -hmm. there's some that do that like stairway to heaven does for example like that's also that long but stairway to heaven also has like 10 different parts and this is just and this one is just like two chords so it's, yeah. it's, it's it's they are both there's incredible songs yeah. but they they they're very different in how they execute that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there there's more going on in the actual instrumentation the Stairway to Heaven. Oh yeah, tons
0: more, tons more. Yeah. Um all of them are I don't want to say better musicians because they're not trying to do the same thing, but they are it just sounds better. They would be, I guess, what we would call more technically proficient musicians. Like they are, like Robert Plant has a higher voice and can sing more different notes, and Jimmy Page can sit, play more guitar. Like he's more, he's like all up and down the the guitar neck or whatever. It's, it's and again, it's not. Neither of them are better or worse. They're just doing two different things, stylistically different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll, have, we'll have to get into Zeppelin sometime too, but that that's another one of those like prototype bands i mean they come sort of from the rolling stone school but they're they're taking it and like exploding it out um we'll, we'll get to that later um yeah do you have any other questions about this like it's 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 a great great song you know? it
1: is um i did just put uh, very few songs are funky groovy classical soulful all in the first two minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: like it has all of those components musically in the first two minutes you know mm-hmm. and that's a hard pull-off and that's part of like the buy-in with the song and the instrumentation even though it's kind of like it's the instrumentation on here is very carefully chosen because it's sparse but mm-hmm. the instrumentation is still a highlight because of the different things going on with the maracas with the um with the organ mm-hmm. it's it's not complicated but the way that it's being placed is very delicate in, in mm-hmm. a way it yeah. is yeah
0: you, you're getting what you need right yeah <laughs> again i mean it's, it's it, it fits right i mean it That's one of those songs that all of the pieces fit together and there's not it's hard to say about a seven and a half minute song that there's not a piece out of place right but there's not like there there's everything everything is there on purpose and everything is there because it needs to be um but you also have the same thing like they say about most great songs um most great songwriting, that despite all of the instrumentation and despite all of the pyrotechnics and all of the add-ons and the you know multi-tracked albums and stuff like that that if it's really a great song, somebody can sit there and play guitar like one acoustic guitar and play it and sing it and it still comes off or piano. I guess you can play the piano and sing it and it still comes off. And like this is this song also. Does that like like I could just sit here and play it on the guitar um, by myself and it would still come off. It's it would feel different, but. The song still works in that.
1: You want to know what it is? It's one of those things. If you were to sit on your front porch and play it, mm-hmm. people in your neighborhood walking by would sing the words like to it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah. Like you could just sit out on your front porch and play it, and like people would walk by and be like, K-K-K-K.
2: they would do that. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and, and that's and
2: the,
0: and that's kind of coming full circle. That's the Hollyberry Berry Hallelujah part too. Like you, you just kind of. I got you <laughs> it, it hooks you in like
1: immediately yeah I got you yeah I got you, yeah. Yeah, I got you. But, but that's and, it, and that's really that's really the point at the end of the day mm-hmm. to bring people into your world that's what music does music is a world yep. that allows you to express what's going on in your world or as you see it but you have to get people to buy in and so yep. the buy-in oftentimes is the groove the melody the words and both yep. of these songs masterful moments yes
0: that's exactly right. Like I have been guilty, and I wrote this note down about the Kendrick, about the song particularly, and Good Kid, Mad City in general. Like I have been guilty with music and with sports and with lots of other things too. With uh, been guilty of of paying more attention to the narratives around it than the actual thing itself. Like, like I love reading music criticism, and I love reading about albums, and I love reading about teams and the trade season. I mean, all that stuff like that's interesting to me. Like all of the storylines that go with it. I, I'm a, I'm a writer, and I like stories. So, like that's the that, that's interesting to me. But it's, I, I was more, and I was realizing this as I was listening to this song particularly, and to the other songs on Good Kid, M.A.D. City, that. I had read a ton about the narratives around Kendrick Lamar, <coughs> um, especially around um, "To Pimp a Butterfly," um, which is when I was more familiar with it. That was when my daughter, the oldest one, was, you know, old enough that I could, you know, be paying attention to other things besides her. Um, and but, but I remember reading more about it than listening to the record itself, mm-hmm. and um, that seems to be a thing that has followed him particularly over the last since since pimp a butterfly really. Um, and it's, it's the thing that you see with Mr. Morale too, that you're thinking of him or he's being portrayed as a genius and he is like, his, he's what, what he's doing is really cool, but you also have to have the groove. Like you have to have both of the things, and and I'm understanding now that I'm going back to listen to Good Kid, Mad City. What people are saying now, what you you and Mike have been saying, particularly on According to Hip Hop, like it's this is this is a cat that's capable of doing both, right? right. He is capable of of being political and philosophical and narratively brilliant and make you sit there and bob your head. Right. And right. The the bobbing your head part's not missing <laughs> completely, but in in the later stuff, but it's it's not like this song.
1: Is. It's not like this. Okay. And so there's nothing wrong with pushing the boundaries and the limits. Absolutely not. His genius actually is in his genius for me is tied into a few things. It's his album making ability. Mm-hmm. It is his um, his juxtaposed perspectives, which okay. which is oftentimes with him, and also too, his he has a very keen eye. He has what, I think you both you and I, I think you see his writer's eye,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like from like like when he ends uh, the Auntie Diary song, and he's like effort 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 effort, but only if a white girl can call you.
2: Mm, yeah, You know what I mean? When he yeah. says
1: stuff like that, it's like, oh, that's more brilliant writing than it is MC. Yeah. And so part of the boundary that he's pushing is that he's forcing us to think in the capacity of how great <clears throat> is an MC in relationship to the writing if yeah. the non-factor is not there because he's really the first guy that's come along that's been all-time great. mm mm-hmm. It hasn't been giving you stuff to bob your head to necessarily on a consistent basis. He's right. giving you giving you quite frankly some of the best writing that you'll find in any genre right. of music. Right. Period. Exactly. Point
0: and that's why he won the Pulitzer, right? And like that's the same.
1: And and as far as hip hop writers go, and this is what I mean about he's pushing the boundaries. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's a top 10 MC all time still after this album, but he's clearly like a top five writer, maybe like up there with Tupac and Nas and Scarface in terms of the writer that he is in terms of like, like, how about this? He's not the MC (coughs) black thought is, but black thought is not the writer that he is. Yeah, what I'm saying? And so he's pushing some things about even how we view our all time great MCs. But, <clears throat> and I have another podcast later today on According to Hip Hop. But one of the things that I'm going to discuss is, is like, well, when you bought up all those things about like, well, the political message and the mm-hmm. making you bob your head, like all those things and the creative expression, all that. Well, you know who was masterful at that? Who? Tupac. His mm-hmm. idol. Right. And it's like, I went and listened to All Eyes on Me, which is another double album. And Where he kind of loses is that it's hard to put his great hip hop stuff Mm -hmm. up against the other great hip hop stuff like that. It's like, is Auntie Diaries a better piece of writing and maybe more important than something like, I don't know, Ambitions as a Writer? Yeah. Is it better? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I'm saying, like, you're not going to get in your car and play Auntie Diaries over Ambitions as a Writer. Even though the writing is clearly superior.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense. Like, and, and I would guess he would, Kendrick would say, like, the intention is not that either. Like, Definitely he's not, not trying to do that
1: thing. He's not trying to do that. But we talk about the buy in.
0: Mm-hmm. That, well, that's the circle, right? And let's get
1: back to the circle of the buy in. And part of what he's doing that no other great MC has really ever done that's like at the level that he's at, well, he's not giving us any buy in stuff really, Mm -hmm. or he's making us question what the buy in is. I'm going to be unpacking some things about a couple of the songs that are potentially going to be singles because one thing that Mm -hmm. he's really masterful at is actually reworking other creative ideas that have been done before. Like there's a lot of outcasts in his bag, stylistically. Like I'm going to talk about this later. There's a song in particular that's on his album, and I can go pull up a song from AT Aliens that sounds just like it. Oh, okay? cool. um, and so he's in the outcast bag. Theme wise, if you look at Kanye around the Yeezus time okay. or Nas around the hip hop is dead in the N word album okay. time of album time, some of the rhetoric is similar around those. Some of the stuff that even guys like Conway the Machine have been doing lately about expressing mm-hmm. themselves, you know, in a Scarface like manner. Yeah. And coming up. But what I really realized this too, and I'm going to talk about this too. Well, his voice is some of what's hurting us. Is it? Yes, it is. Because I thought about somebody, and the guy I thought about is Scarface. Scarface is about to retire. He just announced his last okay. 17 days. Part of what makes Scarface's narrative so powerful is his voice. Mm -hmm. It keeps you there. It's enchanting. It's entrancing. And so the thing with Kendrick is his voice isn't necessarily as him, is it his voice isn't as powerful as his pen or his ethos.
0: Right. I agree with that. Yeah.
1: And so part of what I'm talking about, the connection is, is that he needs to pick certain records Mm-hmm. Style-wise, that are going to help him to connect with that money trees and bitch don't kill my vibe or prime examples
2: yeah okay.
0: you know yeah and, and okay oh, yeah. no that's that's what i got I, i'm i'm just i'm soaking it in like this is this is not something that i'm as familiar with so i'm like i'm learning um but but i do feel that like um yeah. both your point and the music like I remember you saying, I don't remember how long ago it was one of the, according to hip hop episodes where you were, you were talking about, like you were arguing with Mike about to pimp a butterfly and good kid, mad city. And like, and you, you told him that you don't play to pimp a butterfly in your car like that. Like it's not, and it's not for that. Like it's not, it's, it's a, these albums to pimp a butterfly, particularly, and Mr. Morale, um, um, damn has more like radio songs i guess on it but the the those almost play like jazz albums to me like the butterfly and mr morale like you're you're listening to them like sitting on your chair or the couch at night and just kind of letting it kind of wash through wash th- like it's that kind of music to me anyway as opposed to Songs that you would—I mean—you've you've said that you listen to XM radio station for the Rolling Stones for three days in your car. Like it's—it's it's just you sit and you—it's it, it, riding music. And Good Kid, Mad City, I think, does that too. What a little bit I've heard of it.
1: It does. I like the fact that you brought up the jazz interpretation because when I did the Kendrick review, the United in Grief, mm-hmm. the first note that I wrote, I said low in theory, as in a tribe called Quest, jazz infusion into hip hop. And so that's what you I mean. Way. like well, he's not. How about this? And I'm saying this respectfully for the generation that's heard him. He's not as creatively genius as people are thinking, but what he is is masterfully doing what people have done before. It's taking pieces of what people have done before him and are doing around him. And he does it the best writing wise in terms of putting it together. Okay. And aesthetically in terms of piecing it together, he's the best at that. So he's not necessarily the best MC, but he is the best at taking pieces of our culture and putting them together in a piece of work to digest. He is the best at that because he's the best writer right
0: now. Right.
1: And the okay. best writer usually is the best one at contextualizing our plight and our situation. So he's that. And what I'm saying he's pushing the boundary. Everything that I said really don't have anything to do with being a dope ass MC no. make a dope ass album. Right.
0: It's two yeah. different things
1: because you can be illiterate and not have any sort of real education and make not, I'm mean, not being funny, but it's like, you can be somebody like 50 cent who doesn't have a college degree is not highly educated and make it richer by trying.
0: Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and you definitely bob your head to that one. Like that's, uh, right. That's, and, and it's designed for that. Like that's what it's for.
2: Um,
1: so the, the, there's just a lot of things with him, but yeah, but money trees is when I talk about him connecting. It's the all time connect moment. maybe. For
2: him. Yeah. And, yeah.